It's a reality that every day we get to spend time with God one on one. And it's out of that relationship at the feet of Jesus that we find healing, we find salvation, and we find our calling. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. That's a great question that we're asking all year long, who's your one? Also, uh, the app is not working to control the slide, so y'all need you guys to do that in the back pretty please. We are asking a great question, who is your one, that one person that God wants to use you in their life to make a difference? Last Sunday was a great kickoff as we launched the Who's Your One campaign. Uh, on the next slide, you'll be able to see an update out in the lobby is our Who's Your One display. All the ping pong balls that were started last Sunday collected at the crosses have been, been moved out there, and that will happen every single week. You can see that we built it for plenty of lost souls to be represented through the course of this year. And so this altar will always be open. There will always be the ping pong balls here. And as God leads you across the path of somebody who needs Jesus, you'll be able to continue to add uh, to these lives and souls that we are praying for. Throughout 2021, we'll be focusing on these two things, one-on-one -on -one with God and who's your one. And what we understand is as we go one-on-one -on -one with God, not just through a course while we have that available for discipleship, it's a reality that every day we get to spend time with God one-on-one. -on -one. And it's out of that relationship at the feet of Jesus that we find healing, we find salvation, and we find our calling. And so I'm going to put this up on the screen, and it says this, when we go one-on-one -on -one with the Lord, He will always lead us to our one. That as I walk with God, that journey will lead me across the path of someone who needs Jesus. If you look in the New Testament and you read through there, you'll see that dynamic happening. You'll see the disciples as we read through the Gospels. We'll see the disciples learning what it means to have a walk with God, following Jesus. And then as they're walking with God, their lives will intersect with other lives that need Jesus. Unfortunately, in the church today, in the world, not just, I'm not talking PCBC, I'm talking about the body of Christ in America, we seem to be walking to church on Sundays and through the rest of the days, we don't connect like they did in the New Testament. That leads me to the next saying is this, that everyone has someone who needs to know the one, the way, the truth, and the life. And if you look out just over this crowd, and oh, by the way, how cool is it to see this auditorium filling up again? Isn't it awesome to be back together again? Matter of fact, what you may want to do, you may want to look around, and you may have to reintroduce yourself a year later for some of us, right? And remind ourselves that we are the family of God here at PCBC. But every single one, just in this space, and we'll have another service in the next hour, and we have many who are still worshiping online. If all of us just understood the influence we could have with just one other person this year, the difference it would make in our city. Yesterday, we had a very special memorial service for Ram Ho. The sad thing for our congregation is not all of you probably knew Ram. Ram was a quiet, gentle man, as we reflected on yesterday. He was one of the very first members who came to our church back in the early 80s to help Lewis and Marilyn Stone launch our international ministry. And 
and it was bizarre at the late 70s and early 80s, and Mrs. Marilyn's right over here. I'm sure for, if you, if you can go all the way back, I don't know how long you have history in Oklahoma City, but to think that Cowtown would need an international ministry in the 80s was thinking pretty big and pretty wide. And yet God was opening up a brand new door. Refugees were starting to come into Oklahoma City, and the Stones had a passion to reach the nations. They always have, and they always are. And they helped us start an international ministry. Ram was uh, from Vietnam, South Vietnam. He was in their Navy. And when the Communist Party took over his country in 1975, Ram became a political casualty. The Communist Party took over his country. They imprisoned him and others like him who had served in the South Vietnam military. They went through what they called re-education camps, which we know as being hard labor camps. I think he went through that for three or four years of brutality, dreaming that one day he and his family would be free. He would eventually be released from that prison. They would try to get their family out numerous times. It never could work. And finally, one night, he and his little brother made an exit at an early, early hour seeking freedom. They got on a boat that really couldn't even qualify as a boat, probably more like a raft, spent days in the ocean seeking their freedom. They would end up landing on the shores of Malaysia. And in Malaysia, our embassy would find out that he had English skills, would hire him to translate and to work for our government, and eventually they would be adopted. See, Lewis and Marilyn Stone, all the way back in the 80s, were always watching for someone, someone that needed the love of Jesus. And as we reflected in his service yesterday, we were reminded that he found his freedom and later his family, 10 years later, would join him and they would find their freedom, not because they woke up on the shores of the United States, not because of our Constitution, which seeks to give freedom to all men, but it can't provide the freedom they were looking for. They found their freedom because they found that the truth sets you free and they discovered that Jesus was the way, the truth, and life, that truth is a person. And the stones found their one and ones because they had a passion for the nations. That one soul, Ram Ho, would be an instrumental seed that would blossom into a full international ministry that not just reaches the Vietnamese, but reaches over 16 different nations today. Is that powerful? Is that awesome? Let's let the Lord give him praise. Psalm 22, 27, if you want to turn there, you can. We'll put it up on the screen as well. In Psalm 22, 27, it says, All the ends of the earth will remember and will turn to the Lord. And all the families of the who? Nations will worship before you. We get to be a part of God's design. We get to be a part of God, not just moving right here in our city, but moving all around the world. And even today, out of the International Bible Class, we've launched an international mission church through John Neandico. And not just that we're thinking to the nations, but we also still focus on the shadow of our steeple. Who's your one? Who's your ram? And who's your one? Don't forget this altar at the end of every invitation. Throughout the week, if God puts somebody on your heart, you don't have to wait for a Sunday morning. 
Walk on in here. These will always be laid out all year long. Just find your ping pong ball. Make a commitment to pray for that one, to serve that one, and to reach that one with the gospel. At any time, you can put them over here at the crosses. We'll certainly be doing that every Sunday. Why? Turn to Psalm 96 now. Go to Psalm 96 and verse 3. For the psalmist declared that we are to tell of his glory, not just among us, not just when we gather on Sunday, but the Bible says, tell about his glory among the nations. Speak of his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. That's everyone and anyone. Anyone that God places in your path, wherever that might be, and however we as a church can reach out beyond our shadow, we will seek to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what we are called to do. I told you earlier in the sermon, and we've looked at it, that we find at the feet of Jesus not only a relationship with God, but we also find our calling. This calling wasn't just reserved for 12 pious guys called disciples or apostles. It would be God's calling for his church, his bride, his children. Let's review it and go back to it again. Go back to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. And throughout this year, you will be equipped and you'll be challenged in your relationship with God, but also your relationship with others in this world. And both come together in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, for it says, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. As we take a look at this, again, this was not just contextually for these 12 it was for those who would become followers of Jesus Christ. And if you wear that label, if that's who you are, a follower of Jesus Christ, he also seeks to make you fishers of people. And so it, perhaps it seems like today, not many of us maybe grew up on the lake or grew up fishing. Maybe we need to return back to some fishing lessons. And so today I want to dig through this passage in a couple of other places and learn how to fish for people to go back into God's Word and let the carpenter teach us how to be a fisher man or woman. Because you see, you don't just catch a fish because you throw a line in the water. I learned that with my kids back in the day. I remember being on boat docks at my parents' house, and I remember trying to fish for fish, and it was a little frustrating because I wanted to catch something. My kids just wanted to have fun. They were throwing the line in. They were spanking the water with their pole. They were yelling and screaming and moving the boat dock. There's no way to catch any fish just because you threw a line in the water. You don't just catch fish because the fish are hungry. They're hungry. They're starving. But just because you threw a line in the water doesn't mean they're going to bite that bait. And you don't catch a fish because you want to catch a fish. You have to be skilled. That's why Jesus said, I will make you Jesus said, I will transform your life from just being fishermen, doing what you do to make a living, to help people discover how they can have life abundantly and eternally. So let's take on the first fishing lesson. Are you ready to go fishing? Here we go. First thing we see in this passage is, first, before you try to go catch your fish, your one, make sure you're walking with the one. The very first thing, he didn't say, hey guys... I need some workers in the field. I need some, some guys that will be a part of my international business, and, and I'm signing you up. Jesus said, first, follow me. 
I want you to understand, we can have this passion to reach someone with the gospel, but if we're not walking with the one that the gospel is all about, we will never reach a single one. The very first thing he did with those disciples was he said, just follow me, live with me, walk with me, and the rest will take care of itself. Jesus called them first to himself before he ever called them to go fishing. And for you today, for me as well, does that not just humble you and overwhelm you? That the holy God who created all of creation, all of the universe and beyond, and created each and every one of you, desires to daily be with you? Wants you to just follow with him and live with him, abide in him and he abide in you? Does that not humble you and does that not overwhelm you in a powerful way? It's a daily walk with God. And I would say this to you, that our fresh walk with God is the most important part of fishing. For as we follow him, as we do daily life with him, he makes us into his image. He gives us his passion, and he transforms us into becoming fishers of people. But watch this. If that's, if that's how this works, that we connect with God one-on-one, and out of that relationship it overflows to someone What do you think the enemy's going to do? If the enemy doesn't want souls to be saved, if he wants to drag every soul into hell with him, where does he have to attack first? He attacks at first base, your walk with God. And so we can write some initials on a ping pong ball. We can pray all year long. And yet if we neglect the most important thing, we will accomplish absolutely nothing. For Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. The good news is we get to walk with God. But if we don't, if we just coast, if we just do what Israel did in the Old Testament, remember Israel was called out of their bondage, they were called to a new life, they were called to be light in all the earth. And what we find is 11 out of the 12 tribes said, hey, Levites, you be the religious people, we're just going to go do life. Seems like that's what's happened in the church in the New Testament. Hey, pastor, Hey, staff, go reach those people. We'll applaud you on, and we've hired you to to be our staff, and we forget that we are all the people of God, all walking with God and all called to reach someone with the gospel. But if we just start doing life, and if we don't do life with the Lord, here's what we become. Listen to this. Stink bait. I remember the first time I was introduced to stink bait. Don't know that I've been fishing since. (laughs) Nasty, nasty, appropriately titled. Oh, it's bait. And you can get those bottom feeders, but it's stink bait. And I'm afraid that sometimes the body of Christ has become stale, has not been the bait, the fresh bait that would lure people to want to know the Jesus that we claim we serve. There's either stink bait or you can be fresh bait, alive and full of the Holy Spirit because you walk daily one-on-one with God. Used to fish with minnows. That was the cool thing. We had our minnow buckets and we had our little snoopy fishing poles and we would go down to the dock to fish and, and those minnows would run out of oxygen and they would start to float to the top. Well, cheap dad wasn't going to buy new minnows. We were going to keep using whatever minnows we had in that bucket. And we would throw those dead minnows in there. And you know what? 
you won't catch a thing on dead bait. That fish, that fish wants to jump at that which is alive for them to have life as well. And I'm afraid that the reason we're not seeing people saved in America today is because we're the equivalent of dead minnows. Once alive, new creatures in Christ who become stale, dead, and stinking bait. Before I beat us up too hard, let me inspire us on to the next lesson. The next lesson is stay fresh daily, and that is a passion. And if you're struggling in that part of your walk with the Lord, we want to be a fellowship that helps you know God, grow deeper in that relationship with the Lord. And it doesn't have to be a one-on-one group with a couple of other people. We'll encourage you in some other ways, some, some initial steps. Currently, we have a 40-day devotional out on Version Bible that you can do on an app. And every day, we're walking through that together. That's one way to stay fresh, not only in who's your one, but with your walk with God. There are multiple ways we can encourage you. Your ABF classes will continue to encourage you to walk with God. But as you follow him, the second fishing lesson is this. You have to go to them. You follow him, and then out of that relationship, you go to them, your ones. Look at Matthew 4, verse 23. Jump down to verse 23. Jesus didn't wait for people to come to the synagogue to hear his great preaching. He took the gospel. He went fishing where the fish were. Isn't that a novel idea? Don't you think you might catch more fish if you fish where the fish are? Versus expecting the fish to come jump into your pond. Verse 23, Jesus was going about in all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. Flip over a few chapters to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. They are following Jesus. They're doing life daily with Jesus. They aren't going to seminary and waiting three or four years later to start impacting lives. Daily, as they walked with God, daily they were ministering to people. We get to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and it says this, that Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Why would he do that? Those are the ponds. That's where the fish are. He went through all the towns, plural, villages, plural, teaching in their synagogues, plural, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. So we watch Jesus model for us a kingdom mentality, Not only did he call out these disciples to walk with him, but to live life through him. And as they were doing life, they went everywhere with the gospel. They just didn't go to the synagogue once a week. Everywhere they went, they took the gospel, a model for you and me as well today. So how do you go to them? How do you do what they did? It's simple. It's in rocket science. You just go out into the world with a purpose, with a message, with a passion. You have to go to them. I was sharing with some of our staff recently and being reminded when I first served here as a youth pastor, we had a minister of evangelism. His calling was to get us engaged in our calling. His name was Joe Perry. A lot of you remember Joe. Joe did a lot of things well in the relationship of evangelism, and he taught us simple things. We learned evangelism explosion. We learned the four spiritual laws. We learned some tools. But probably the greatest lesson Joe Perry ever taught our staff and our church back in that day was to go fishing 
where the fish are. In those days, recreation ministry was starting to happen and church leagues were starting to happen because we were so frustrated with what was happening in city leagues, how fleshly it could be. Can I tell you, church leagues still get fleshly, amen? Some of the worst testimonies of my ministry have been on a court in a church league somewhere. But he would never coach a church league team. He said, I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. But he always taught a city league team. You know why he did that? Because that put him in touch with lost families and lost children. He intentionally went where the fish were. We're so busy hanging out in the aquarium together and so busy uh, learning about God and being his disciples, but we're not making disciples as God called us to do. When you go to school, when our children go to school, yeah, they go to school to get an education, but they also get to go to school because they get to go fishing. Matter of fact, that's what Stan Stafford helps us with, as I've told you before, at our first priority clubs on our high schools, and hopefully over time that'll spread down to middle schools. Teaching our kids how to fish using their story, God's story through their story. The same four-week cycle we'll be reminded of in a moment in the sermon is the same four-week cycle they're doing on campus, teaching them how not just to go to school, eventually, again, maybe, but when they do, go with the gospel. When you go to work, you can get up in the morning and you complain, oh, i got to go to work, or you can get up in the morning excited like the Apostle Paul and say, I get to go fishing. You see the difference? When you go shopping... You don't have to just go shopping and deal with the drudgery of all that, or you can go fishing. When you get anywhere, when you go out to eat, it doesn't have to just be to go get a meal. It may be to go get a server or somebody sitting in the booth next to you or somebody who greets you as you come into the restaurant. We need to go fishing where the fishing are. Here's the next lesson. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. When you go to them, they will come to him. Not everyone, not every fish bites the hook, but when you go to them, they will come to him. Where do I get that? Look at verse 24. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Syria, and they brought him all who were ill. It's amazing when people hear and come to know the real Jesus, it spreads through a community and people want the real deal. They don't want plastic Christianity. They don't want a once a week religion. They want the Jesus who we worship, who we know and who we serve. And when they come to know the real Jesus through your story, they will come to him. An illustration that comes to mind We saw here in Matthew 4 how Jesus called out fishermen. And as you watch that story, Jesus would engage with Peter, James, and John, those who were fishermen, uniquely in the world and context in which they lived. Not all 12 disciples were fishermen, but all 12 turned into fishers of people. One of those that he went after was a guy named Matthew. What do you know about Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector. Whole different, whole different reality, whole different background. He didn't have calloused hands. He had greased hands. He played politics. He collected the taxes. He was corrupt to the core. But he had power and he had privilege. 
And he had people in his world because he had the money. And people had a tendency to want to be where he was because he threw great parties. He entertained. He was a socialite in his community. And he had to buy his friends because a lot of people hated his guts because he was the mafia of that day, extorting, extorting the people, taking advantage so that he could grow wealthy. Jesus didn't walk up to Matthew and say, hey, Matthew, can I introduce you into becoming a fisherman? Do you think that would have appealed to a guy like Matthew? No. Jesus engaged Matthew where he was and in his context. And as he started studying this fish named Matthew, he fished differently than he did for Peter, James, and John. He was, he was spirit-filled enough to understand the reality of the context and meeting that person where they were based on who they were. And Jesus did something very powerful and unique. You know what he did? He did what nobody else in town was willing to do. He hung out with him. He built a relational bridge into his life. And you remember what all the religious people of the city said? Man, Jesus. Jesus is a heretic. Jesus is a hypocrite. He claims to be a rabbi and he's hanging out with sinners. Pray for his soul. Pray for Jesus. He's hanging out with them sinners. Jesus was fishing. Now, he didn't do what sinners did, but he certainly connected and related to them, and he certainly loved them where they were. He just didn't do what they were doing. He personalized the gospel. He reached people where they were. He did it uniquely. He did it individually. And that leads us to the last lesson, and everybody said, thank you, Lord. Know your bait. Know your bait. There's more than just minnows out there. And we understand that the fish who are lost and separated from God, that there is bait that God has brought into this world. He has chosen to use his church to proclaim the gospel, the bait that they are hungry for. And you can't just use a lure. You can't just throw on, and I used to think the prettier the lure was or the bigger it was, the more successful I would be. Well, that doesn't work. You can't break out a big old honking lure and go fishing for bluegill, little itty-bitty fish. You can't throw top bait if you're going for a catfish that hangs out on the bottom. you got to know your bait. And so as we dig through, we come to understand that we need, like Jesus, to know the fish that we're fishing for, meet them where they are, speak the truth to their heart hunger, and out of that, catch them with the gospel. But you cannot use the bait that works for you. You can't use the bait maybe that was what reached you with the gospel. For example, moving back to the literal illustration of fishing, I've never caught a single I've caught fish. <laughs> not a lot, not as good as many of you in the room like a Howard and some others, but I've caught some fish in my lifetime. I never caught a single fish on bluebell ice cream. So I'd put a scoop on a hook, throw it in. The, that ought to catch anything and everything, am I right? Works for me, works for how I catch Howard. Put a little piece of Snickers on there, not going to bite. You got to know the bait that works with the fish. They have a different hunger. 
And so that's another reality. As you know your bait, you also have to know your fish. Different fish respond to different bait. And so as we go through our daily walk with God and praying for our one, we have a four-week cycle to fish for people. Week one of every month, we've already practiced this a couple weeks ago. We pray for our one, and we pray daily. We don't just stop praying because that emphasis is over that week, but we specifically, intentionally pray, maybe even fast a day of the week for that person. Second week, which was last week, we serve that fish. We find a way to relate to them and to serve them, to encourage them. This week, what do we practice? This week, we seek to somehow communicate with them. Keep building that relationship. What Jesus was doing with Matthew and his friends, connect with them somehow. And it may not be the reality of being in their home that week, but maybe you can get in that home through a text. Hey, I'm praying for you this week. Or, hey, how's your week going? I was just thinking about you. How, how could I pray for you this week? Maybe it's sending them an email. Maybe it's posted on their Facebook page, depending on who they are and how they connect. Find a way to serve them. Find a way to communicate with them this week. And then the fourth week, the last week of a month, we find a way to throw them a lure. Now, we talk about inviting them. That's a baby step. But the gospel was never meant to be an attractional thing. Hey, come to our church and hear the gospel. You get to be that ambassador. You get to share. Sometimes an invitation to church, especially Easter time, is a great lure. Other times, it might just be telling part of your story, your God story, to that person in that moment. That's you speaking truth, speaking into them. For faith comes from hearing, hearing the Word of God. But each month, intentionally trying to find a way to speak truth in. It might be sending them a scripture verse that encourages them with a truth, a reality of God's love for them and how they can have eternal life. Those four-week cycles, the same our students are doing on campus, the same we're doing today, lived out as an example in Acts chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16, and we'll close with this, and we've got to go fairly quickly. In Acts 16, we find Paul and Silas in prison. Now, Paul's in prison quite often, and it's always because he was trying to reach someone with the gospel. Because of his walk with God, his one-on-one walk with the Lord, it translated into a daily experience of seeking anyone and everyone who would listen. He's been thrown in prison. Up to this point, if you read just a few verses earlier in chapter 16, you'll see how he led a lady named Lydia, her entire household, to Jesus. Out of that experience, and he begins to disciple them and make disciples, not just reach them with the gospel, but he spends time in their home and teaches them about their new faith. He then goes throughout the rest of that community sharing, and a demon-possessed slave woman follows him every day mocking his message screaming out and being a distraction and the apostle paul being the gentle soul that he was the patient soul that he was threw down spiritually on this slave woman and he just rebuked the demons cast them out of this evil woman and she becomes a brand new person in christ the owners of this woman who were profiting from her not sure exactly what all that means but they were profiting from her being their slave are now greatly disappointed apparently she earned them a lot of money they got the whole town against Paul and Silas they had them beaten to the point of death thrown in prison 
Bones, compound fractures are probably present. Most of the majority of their back has been ripped off by the cat of nine tails. They've been thrown into a dark, nasty, dungy hole in the ground that somebody else had lived in before them. And we get to verse 25. We find Paul and Silas in prison. Why? Because they were trying to reach their one, serving the Lord. And about midnight, what would you be doing about midnight in a prison cell with broken bones? I don't know that it would read the same if I was there. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, what Tom challenged us with today. They lived with thanksgiving. They weren't doubting God. God, why did you let this happen? God, if you love me, why? They weren't doubting. They weren't pouting. Lord, you just don't love me. You love Peter more than you love me. They weren't doubting and they weren't pouting. They were praising God. Walking with the one, no matter what happened through others. Now, because they had that powerful walk with the Lord, they had a powerful testimony to hungry fish that were around them. For look at the rest of verse 25. It says, and the prisoners were listening to them. I don't think it's because they had pretty voices. I think it's because they had glorious hearts that had been transformed by Jesus. And they wanted what they had. They were listening. Folks, I want you to understand, when you walk with the Lord and when you live a life of praise, people will listen. But if we are stink bait, they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear. They want fresh bait. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. The doors were opened. Everyone's chains were unfastened. Get out of jail free. Thank you, Monopoly. The jailer awoke. He saw what had happened. He drew his sword not to go after the prisoners. Look at this. He thought his life was done. This was his authority. This was his responsibility. And he's going to lose the whole jail? He's getting ready to take his life. But watch this, verse 28. But God planted Paul in his path. Paul was put there not just because a bunch of evil people wanted him in prison. God had a heart for a jailer. God had a heart for those who were in bondage and were in captivity there in that prison. And he placed Paul and Silas there. When will we quit complaining about where we are and rejoice wherever we are so that we can reach anyone and everyone to know the one who has saved us. He could have run for his freedom. Boy, what would have happened if you'd been there and the chains broke off? You're like, woo, this has to be God setting me free. This is the people who've been praying for me free. And we would have run for the doors. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, you don't see open doors for your freedom. You see those who are in bondage. You see those who are in prison. He didn't have a heart for his own freedom. He had a heart for one that needed Jesus. And I want you to understand this, that if Paul and Silas had to run for the doors, that night that jailer would have taken his life and would be spending eternity in hell this very moment. But Peter spoke out. He lived it. He shared it. He spoke out that night and he cried out. Why? Because he was always fishing 
for someone. How easily we get distracted with our circumstances. How easily we get caught up in our own comfort and we miss the very one God has placed in our life. Look at verse 29. The jailer asked for lights. He rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said to them, you better behave. You better not let this happen ever again. No, you know what he said? Trembling, he said, how can I be saved I need what you have cool thing is real deal it wasn't a prison salvation experience it was a real deal how do we know because if you go on in the rest of the story verse 31 they said believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household they spoke the word of God to him together with all who were in his house there's the gospel alive and well Because Paul and Silas walked with God, and because of that walk with God, no matter where they were, they knew there was someone God was going to place in their path that they got to go fishing for. Same is true for you and me. You ready to go fishing? Let's do it. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. The invitation today is similar to last week it will be an open altar we don't have people come forward right now to make decisions where we meet with you and you join the church by meeting up front and filling out a piece of paperwork although we would love for you to be a part of this church if you're looking for a church family that is committed to walking with God and reaching our world with the gospel we invite you to join our church and all you have to do is on a digital communication card on your app or a hard copy communication card in the seat in front of you you can say I want to join the church Our connection ministry, led by Justin, will get in touch with you, and and we'll walk through that. And eventually, someday, we may return back to that invitation being right down here at the front. But I do invite everyone who knows of someone that needs the gospel. If you've not yet filled out one of these ping pong balls, initialed them with initials of that one or ones, more than one, you don't have to have just one, somebody God has put on your heart. At any time during this invitation, you come. There are markers here to the side, ping pong balls. You'll put the initials and just take them and drop them in vase right in front of the crosses on either side. I invite you to come. Maybe you need a church family. Maybe you need to adopt that one just like Lewis and Marilyn did, Ram Ho. Maybe you need to adopt someone. You come and get a ping pong ball during this time. Or maybe you're that one, someone's one, that needs the grace of Jesus, the love of God, a new life, then you can mark on a communication card as well and say, Pastor, contact me. I need Jesus. I want to be saved. And I would tell you right where you are, if you'll just call on his name, say, Jesus, save me. Lord, I turn from my sin. I repent. And I turn to you, my Savior. If you're viewing online, you can do the same thing right where you are. I need you, Lord. Save me. He says, if you'll call my name, I will save you. The jailer, what did he do? Did he go to seminary? Did he go to the synagogue? He simply said, what must I do to be saved in that moment? Paul led him to the Lord to receive the free gift of eternal life. He was saved. Him and his whole household. Maybe you're the one that's the key to the rest of your family. You need to be saved, and so does your family. You take that first step. Thank you for spending time with our church family. 
If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.